0: Hey guys, Pastor Ben. Thank you for joining us here on FCC Online. We are truly thankful and appreciate you taking the time to watch and listen to our messages. One thing that I do want to encourage you to do is, as you're watching these, please don't allow these to be your primary resource in your spiritual journey and your walk with Jesus. Keep these as a supplement to what you do on a weekly basis, from the gathering, uh, being connected, being part of a life of a local church body. We want these to bless you. We want these messages and these videos to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. But please do not allow these to replace anything that you have to do with a local church body. We're gonna continue this morning in our study on that same spirit. We're gonna be looking today Uh, The title of the message being, In Love. So if you have your Bibles with you, I hope you have them with you. If not, there's some in the pew in front of you. Uh, To Go ahead and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to be coming out of 1 Corinthians 13 this morning. Uh, Before I read, I kind of want to ask a question. Now, I I get there could be 20-some people sitting in here this morning that may want to throw things at me as I get ready to do this because I'm leading them through um, kind of an eight-week nutrition challenge. So please, I know this is the first week. You've kind of gone sugar-free this week. Don't be too mad at me for what I'm getting ready to do, okay? Because remember, this is our cheat meal. This is our celebration meal day. How many of you love a good burger? Like sandwich, burger, like anything. Like, yes. You know, I love a wonderful burger. Don't cook it over medium, okay? Just like you don't cook a steak over medium rare. It's coming, you know, it's not gospel, but just saying. I have never, ever, ever ordered a burger or a sandwich of any kind because of what kind of bread it comes on. anybody? I mean, you know, there, there's thank you, appreciate it, thank you. Oh. I mean, bread is great. I mean, it's wonderful. It, it, you know, can accent the sandwich so well, but I never look and on the menu go, mmm, there's pimento cheese, but it's got brioche bread. I think I'm going to have that. No, I look at the contents of what's going on. As a matter of fact, um, 2019, fall of 2019, my wife and I, we take a trip to the Poconos. Um, we, get this, we rent this cabin kind of out in the middle of nowhere. When we get there, we, st- you know, we hike a couple trails. We're getting hungry. Uh, we don't have any food. We didn't bring any with us. We've not gone to the grocery store yet. So we decide, let's see if we can find a place to eat anywhere close to us. What well, turns out, just less than a mile up the road, was this little greasy spoon. You know the ones I'm talking about, like you leave there? And like six months later, you wash the clothes multiple times, but you can still smell the restaurant on your clothes. It was that good. But I came across a sandwich. I've got a picture of it, matter of fact. Changed my life. That is a burger. It's got pulled pork, it's got barbecue sauce, it's got pickles, it's got coleslaw on there. It's just layers of glory on that sandwich, basically. So again, changed my life. But you know what? The bread on that was great. But nowhere in my consideration of ordering this burger did the bread play a determining factor in it. It was what was in between. It's what the contents of it was. Now that's kind of a weird way for me to segue into my passage this morning. We've been talking about Holy Spirit, the role that God's Holy Spirit plays in our lives, how He affects us, how He affects the world around us. And we talked last week, we came out of 1 Corinthians 12 about spiritual gifts. And we started looking down deep into that subject as Paul began to write it out. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 both deal with spiritual gifts. Right, smack in between is a chapter that is contextually pivotal to interpreting properly and understanding properly chapter 12, chapter 14. Spiritual gifts, right? Chapter 13 is the crux contextually that those are built on. And that's the one, listen, I'm scheduled to perform a few wedding ceremonies this summer, and we all know... That you get kicked out, you get, you know, you're, you're out of the secret pastoral, ministerial guild of being able to perform weddings if you don't do 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. One of the things that I rarely hear, I've never used it in a wedding and I rarely hear it, are the first, uh, let's say, three verses of that chapter. And that's what we're going to concentrate on today. I gain nothing. So here, Paul is coming off of a chapter. And again, when Paul wrote this letter, this was in letter form. It wasn't in essay or report form. It wasn't broken down into book chapters or verses when he wrote it. So he's building off of what we talked about last week, which was chapter 12. So much so that if you'll look, if you'll go back to 1 Corinthians 12.31, Paul says this, but earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire these things. All of those things that we talked about last week, even some of those things that we think are crazy, Paul says earnestly desire those. But then he says this before he starts. Chapter 13, he says, And I will show you a more excellent way. So Paul has talked about these spiritual gifts in the totality of chapter 12. But before he begins this next train of thought, he says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. I'm not saying that these are bad. I'm telling you that you should still desire them. Eagerly desire them. But what I'm getting ready to show you, what I'm getting ready to write, is a far more excellent way than anything of this. And then he starts into chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, and what he's saying there is like, listen, if I do speak in other tongues, we get an example of that in Acts chapter 2. You know, he's talking about of men and angels. Acts chapter 2, we know that on the day of Pentecost, that there was a miraculous gift of tongues that was given to the people that they were able to speak in other languages so that everyone who was there during that time could understand the message of what just happened. So they were speaking in tongues of men that they didn't know. That would be like me getting up here and be able to say something other than like chicken deluxe in Spanish. Like that would be a miracle. Like If I could ask for something more than what's on Trace's menu, that would be the gift of tongues at this point in Spanish to me. Because I can't speak Spanish. Then he goes a step further and says, even if it's the language of angels... Spoiler alert, I don't think angels speak English. Well, that one landed well. Okay, so. (laughs) Moving right along. Uh, So tongues of angels. Yeah, so he's saying that even if I speak in other languages, or even if I speak in a heavenly spiritual uh, spiritual language, but have not love... He compares a couple things. He says a clanging cymbal, or he says a noisy gong. Wonder what a noisy gong sounds like. I'm not going to lie to you, I had to make a decision on Friday that no man should ever have to make. I asked, hey, does anybody know where a gong could be found? And coming from me, people didn't question it. On Friday, I had two people get in touch with me and say, "I know where you can get a gong." I'm like, "Glory to God!" Yeah, you do. One of them was a six-foot full-size gong. Like I'm talking like Gong Show. How many of you remember the Gong Show? Right? Like I'm talking like six foot, and I'm getting, And then another was like, "It's a desktop one." You know, it's like small. And I'm just like. I really want the six-footer. I really want to call Thomas and Sean in. I know that Sean's getting ready to graduate, but graduation can wait. And we need to hook up the trailer. We need to go get the big gong. I prayed. That's what we have. So anyhow, whenever that sounded, what I could see in common of every one of you was like, like you were wondering where it came from, Right? And what Paul is saying here is like, listen, even if you can speak in the tongues of men and of angels, even if you're doing this wonderful spiritual gift, but you don't have love, then all you're doing is making a noise. Listen guys, I could be up here. And here's the thing, whenever love is detached from the spiritual gift, then it ceases to exalt God and it becomes all about you. Like the moment that I remove love, no matter how amazing God may be doing something through me, if I remove love, then all you're going to hear is noise. I could be up here, and I could be making the greatest point ever. But you hear that, and the attention is taken off of me, right? It's taking off what God's saying. And everybody's wondering, is that going to go on all service? No, I've asked him to do it twice. So if he does it anymore, it's not on me. All right. <laughs> I told him, I said, that's not an alarm bell for when the sermon's done. Okay, that's not how that's supposed to be working. But see, whenever something is used outside of how God created it to be used, and outside of love, then it becomes a distraction to what God's truly wanting to do in your life. Because not only when that was ringing did it distract you, but like I said, now it's in your head that it could possibly happen again. And you may have trouble looking at it. So I'm telling you, the enemy puts all kinds of things in our path to distract us. And they don't always have to be bad things. The enemy can take... The, things, the good things of God, and He can manipulate them and use them against you to distract you from what God is doing in your life. If I can speak with the tongue of men or angels, but I have not long, love, that's what I become. is a distraction. Because I'm not using it for the glorification of God, I'm using it for the edification of me. Then he comes in this, this next one. He says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, but I have, uh, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So the prophetic that he's talking about here, okay, get, get Nostradamus out of your head. Okay, this, this, this declaring and predicting the future and that type of prophecy, I want you to remove that for just a minute because that's not what Paul's describing here. What he's describing is the foundation of prophecy, which is boldly declaring the truth of God's Word. What God is speaking, what we see and hear, to be prophetic in today's realm at the foundation of that is you and I being bold in our proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just like Abby was sharing in her offering thought. Now, Here's where gifts get kind of tricky. If you were here last week, if you remember Romans 11.29 says that the giftings and the callings of God are without repentance, or He does not take them back. And that's why we can see so many people abusing these spiritual gifts and go, that, that dude ain't right, but he, what's happening here? Really quickly, I want to give you an example of when God's gift of the prophetic, of declaring His Word, can be used apart from a real healthy relationship with him or let me just say it maybe a little bit better like this when we don't have the greatest moments and we've got a horrible attitude <laughs> anyone anyone like when we got a really bad attitude the scary part about it is is god can still use our giftings anybody ever heard of a man named jonah in the old testament jonah was called to go to the Assyrians, to the capital city of Nineveh. Jonah did not care for the Assyrians at all. He had a problem with hate in his heart towards other people. Let's just boil it down to what it really is. He really had an issue with prejudice towards the Assyrians. And he basically told God, I'm not going to go. I was like, yeah, you are. I was like, no, I'm not. Watch this. I'll jump off the boat. I was like, I'll send a big fish. Where did he come up at? Nineveh. So he purposefully tried to go the other way. God sent him anyhow. Jonah got there and was like, well, I guess I'm here. Might as well do what I'm supposed to do. And he shares the Lord. He shares God with the people of Nineveh. And it says that people were receiving. They were receptive to his message. So people were coming to know God through Jonah's gifting. Jonah never got over himself in this story. Like Jonah only did that because God forced him to be there. You want to know what happened to Jonah even after the people were receptive to his message? He had a pity party. He went up and was crying about a tree. God used the gifting through a person who was in a really bad place, who had really bad motives, who had things in his heart that shouldn't have been there. God still used the gifting. So even, even if we have the gift of prophecy, but we have not love. if we have the gift of all faith, if we have not love, it's useless. You see guys, in this, in this sandwich that is spiritual gifts, the spiritual gifts are the bread of the equation. Love is what it surrounds. It's all about love. The message of Jesus coming to this earth was that God so Let's try that again. God so loved. You can't remove love from the equation. And I, I put out this, you know, this passage in our group, Facebook group, a little bit earlier this week so that you could be reading over it. And 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 Jackie beat me to a point. Thank you, Miss Jackie. Point I was getting ready to make, she made like two days ago. She said that the fruit of the Spirit, which we covered a couple weeks ago, and again, we don't know 100% for sure that Paul was writing in the order of importance, but it was typical of Paul to write of the things that he valued the most first. What's the first element of the fruit of the Spirit? Love. You cannot detach love from anything in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it was because He loved us that we have a relationship with Him to begin with. And everything is founded and built upon His love. Everything else is shifting sands. Amen? So I want to to talk to us a little bit about love this morning and how important it is for us to be uh, in, in operation of love whenever we're talking about the holy spirit in particular turn to 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 if you will i'm going to read verse 19 so 1st Thessalonians chapter chapter 5 excuse me verse 19 do not quench the spirit see, there's a lot of questions, a lot of conversation, a lot of things around this because you know we see um, you know, we see, don't quench the spirit, don't grieve the Spirit. The only unforgivable sin is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So let me take the rest of this message and let's talk here about how we can quench the Spirit, because this Greek word for quench actually means to put out fire. With water. And we know that there are times in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is referenced and likened to fire. And what Paul is telling us here in this first letter to the church at Thessalonica is he's saying, do not put out the fire of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So let's back up just a little bit. I want to read a little bit broader passage here out of this same chapter to give us a little bit of context as to this statement. We're going to read verses 12 through 22. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers... Admonish the idle, encourage the fainthearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies. But test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. So Paul didn't just make a one-off statement of don't quench the Spirit. He gave us a list of examples before and after. He's like, live this way, relate to one another this way. Function in Christ in this way because this is what His Holy Spirit has been given you to be able to do. Because, listen, most of these things on this list do not come naturally to us in our flesh. I mean, if we, if we look at it, encourage you know, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. <laughs> what? I, I can't even be patient with the people I like. You want me to be patient with everyone? Okay. All right. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. What? Okay. What? I I don't have time for this, but has anybody ever fallen into that trap of just wanting to see somebody get the good old fashioned what's coming to them? Right? No, never. Mm -mm. Not us, Pastor been a church member for 142 years yes you wanted to slap somebody if you belong to a church for 142 years but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone how naturally does that come right rejoice always okay pray without ceasing how about pray longer than three or four minutes? Oh, sorry, that's meddling. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Does that come naturally to anyone? No? Okay. But this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't quench the Spirit. So how do we quench the Spirit? It's when we act or do, or behave, or speak, or react in a way such as opposite of what we see here. Now next week, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about grieving the Holy Spirit. And there is a difference between the two, between quen- quenching and grieving. But think about it this way. You quench the Holy Spirit when you act in a way that is contrary to how Holy Spirit would have you act. You talk in a way contrary. You carry yourself. Okay, so so maybe this. Let, let Let me try to hit home with this one. I'm driving down the road in the brand new refurbished, widened Carol Malone Boulevard that none of us complained about for the past century that it's been under construction. Okay? But I'm driving down Carol Malone Boulevard. I'm minding my own business. Then some yahoo from McDonald's pulls smack out in front of me. I have to slap the brake. I put my arm over the passenger because that's better than any seatbelt or airbag. Right? That, that's going to keep you safe in all auto accidents. All right? And then what do I do? Oh, thank you, Jesus, for that. Just bless them, Father. Just bless them. No, we bless them all right. We bless. Listen, we'll miss a turn if we have to. To get up beside of them and let them know how much we want to bless them. And then we gun it and get out in front of it. And they look at our bumper and it says, Jesus loves you. Maybe I get in line at Walmart. Oh, Walmart but I decide that I'm not going to I'm not going to do the self-checkout this time and I get behind precious little old lady and she breaks out this war and peace book of coupons (sighs) and you do that loudly enough because you want them to hear you she does but guess who else hears you Holy Spirit You've just quenched Him because of your bad attitude. See, that's quenching the Spirit. When you're dealing with that coworker this week, however you relate to him, that sends the message of what Holy Spirit in a person's life looks like. Do not quench the Spirit. You know, as we look at this list, we see rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We have to understand something here. When it relates to our spiritual gifts, there is, there is a real problem in our society. I know Abby talked about uh, the worth that we have. There's also a problem and a plague of comparison just because you may not be seen publicly exercising a gift, just because somebody else does something differently than what you do, maybe, maybe they're gifted to do something that's up front, in the spotlight, kind of where everybody sees them, but God's not called you to do that. Then what the enemy wants to do is he wants to come in and begin to compare those things and say, well, obviously you're not as important as them. Obviously, you're not as good as them. God doesn't love you as much as them. And what we, what we find is that that goes against everything that the Bible tells us, but for some reason, that's such a temptation to have that rooted down deep inside of us that we begin to compare what God has gifted us to do with those of what He's gifted others to do. And we need to understand that this has to be wrapped in love. And I've got a little bit of a saying up here on this next one that says, Do not be distracted by comparison. Instead, be captivated with purpose. You've heard, and this has not been planned, so I just I love the beauty of this, and we prayed about it before service even started this morning. You've heard this this theme throughout of distraction. And how we need to stay focused because the enemy's going to take everything that he could possibly find and use it against you to distract you away from Jesus Christ. It can be all the way to the most obvious, most terrible things that you've ever gone through in your life. Have you ever gone through a struggle? And during those really significant struggles, you have difficulty in your relationship with the Lord? I have. He can use those as a distraction. But he can also come along and take something that God created that was ultimately good and for the gifting and for the benefit and the edification of not only you but the body and he can manipulate and use that in your mind and say you're not as good as them because look at what they're doing. God must not love you that much because look what they're doing and you're not. See, what happens is is when that happens and takes root in our lives, then we have fallen prey to His trap of comparison. Whether it be a good thing, whether it be a bad thing, or if it's something right square in the middle. He doesn't care. Understand this morning, the enemy does not care what he has to use to distract you as long as you're distracted from your relationship with God. But when I am captivated with the purpose that Christ has called me, that He has placed in my heart, then I am firm in my identity. I am rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus Christ to say, I may not be as in the... excuse me, as in the spotlight as this person. I may not be publicly lauded. I may not be known to many people, but I know that God has a purpose for me. And I'm going to fulfill that purpose. I'm going to passionately pursue it. And I'm going to focus on that when I'm captivated by my purpose. It doesn't matter how much of an audience somebody else has. The only audience that matters is Jesus Christ. So when we start talking about these spiritual gifts, whether they're ever practiced or not, we've got to understand that it's not about gifts. The Holy Spirit, God didn't send His Holy Spirit to say, go gift them. Give things to them. No, He said go and comfort them. Go help them. Go lead them into all truth. Go dwell in them. Go and love on them. And everything that we do, comes from a place of love, then it doesn't matter how big or how little everybody else thinks it is. Because when we're captivated by purpose, then we're focusing on Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I'd like to ask the praise team if they would to come back forward this morning. We're going to be in chapter 14, probably next week, at least to lead off with. And you'll see in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, desire gifts, but pursue love. There's nothing wrong with wanting the gifts. Listen, if you all want to give me gifts, I'll, pers- I'll, I'll, I'll gladly take that. I desire those. And listen, if God wants to bless me, I want that. And listen, if you want to be so pious and holy, like I don't want God to bless me, I just, I'll take yours. Okay? I'm fine with that. There's nothing wrong with desiring Holy Spirit gifts in your life. But Paul quickly reminds us that we can desire here, but our pursuit must always be love. I want to leave you with this challenge and this thought this morning. Last week, at the end of it, we prayed a prayer together that said, God, it doesn't matter what it looks like as long as it looks like you. I asked you guys to be praying that throughout the week. I hope you have. I'm going to challenge you to do it again this week. But here's the question that I have for you Are you ready for God to answer your prayer? Are you ready for God to answer that prayer? Because sometimes I think we pray things just because we think we should pray them. Right? I prayed it last week because the preacher put it on the screen. It kind of felt like everybody was looking at me when we were all praying it. So, are you ready for God to say yes to your prayer? We see in Luke, when the priest, Zacharias, was doing his priestly obligations. Angel Gabriel came to him and said, Your prayer has been answered. He was like, what prayer? I don't know what you're talking about. He said, you're going to have a son. Zechariah was like, wait a minute. minute. I'm old. I don't know if you've seen my wife. She's kind of old too. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Gabriel's like, listen dude, I'm just the messenger. Like all I know is what I've been sent here to tell you. Then he said, but I will tell you this, because of your doubt and your unbelief, you're not going to be able to speak until the child is born. See, Zacharias was praying a prayer for a long time, but he had difficulty when the answer came. So I just want to ask you, I want to challenge your heart that if you're praying that prayer with me, like I'm hoping you are, and I'm praying that you are, God We don't care what it looks like, as long as it looks like you. Are you ready for God to answer that prayer?